Part nine of the Fates of the Princess of Dovert by Kenneth Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The story of Puel and Rhiannon, or the Book of the Three Trials. The first branch of it again, called The Coming of Rhiannon Remfer Hefaith. Three. The second wedding feast in the court of Hefaith, and the enchantment of the story of the sons of Cleth Gofulch. If the wedding feast of Puil and Rhiannon had been beautiful, and a marvel for its splendour of magic, ten times more so was the wedding feast of Rhiannon and Gwaul. Nor was that unfitting, since the lofty dignity of the sons of Clud, and their long lineage, and their stainlessness and unlabouring peace since the world began. Hephaith Hen had his place on the dais, and Gwaul and the princess beside him. According to usage and precedent, Gwaul had greater honour even than Hephaith, the ancient himself. Below them was a great company of the immortals, Hephaith's warriors and bards, and the ladies of his court, and many also of the gods of the family of Clud, the people of Gwaul. Fair, tall, and beautiful they were. Their conversation was as pleasing as song, and their song better than any that may be heard from the wind beside the river, or from the wind above the forest or from the waters of the world, or from the winged gorseth of the woodland. If there had been richness of music, and pomp, and lustre, and high magniloquence of story-telling, and keen quick-wittedness of conversation at the first feast, ten times more magical were the songs now, and the stories were ten times more marvellous, and they telling of the wonderful priceless things of the world, from the bottom of the great deep to the top of infinity and being decorated and adorned about, and interwoven, heaven knows, with cunningly contrived consonances and assonances, with flows of excellent melody and sweet sound. As for the conversation, it was such that the wisest man in the world would have desired to listen to it, and if he had listened at all, he would never have come away of his own will until it was ended. At that time, Taliesin, the chief of bards, his forehead shone like the morning star, had made journey to the court of Hephaith Hen, wandering the world and the waters he was at that time in Pridwen, Arthur's ship of glass, in quest of learning. The bards of Hephaith and Gwaul had sung their songs and related their stories. At last they besought Taliesin to set forth one of the heroic tales of the island of the mighty, having heard of his renown. Thereupon, he began to make known to them the story of Bulch and Cofulch and Sefulch, the three sons of Cledef Cofulch, the three grandsons of Cledef Difulch, three warlike princes of the island of the mighty, in the ancient times were they. It would be hard to hear the equal of that story anywhere, only a bard of the dignity of Taliesin, and heaven knows there was never another of such dignity, could attain relating it in a fitting manner before the twenty words were out between his teeth no one in the hall except rhiannon had any thought for anything but the deeds and weapons and wonderful peculiarities of those three men and for their journeyings to and fro questing adventure between this world and that as for gwaul it was a year and a day since he had known the light and beauty of his own land and he was worn with sorrow and exertion through camping during that time in the country of the immortals but Taliesin had such power in relating stories that Gwaul had never come by comfort equal to listening to him. 
all dismay and lack of ease were gone while he might be hearkening to the rising and falling and the quivering and the gathering and the crooning and the crying and the raging and the triumphing and the majestic intoning of taliesin's voice while he heard it he might be at peace and consoling his soul with innumerable sunlit clouds of dream as for rhiannon whatever magic there was in the story-telling it had little power to hinder her from wondering concerning pool penannon and would his soul be great enough to bring him past the dangers he would have to meet it is well known what those dangers were they were the seven companies of giants on the seven battlements the least of them able to snap an oak of nine hundred years across his knee and beyond the giants the seven watch-dogs at the seven gates and the smallest and feeblest of them all equal in the conflict to seven full-grown fierce flesh-desiring battle-eager wolves and indeed more than equal to them what with considering these things and cogitating and musing upon them and concluding that the soul of pool would be great enough for them little heed would she pay to the three shields of the sons of Kledof kufulch that were three gleaming glitterers and little would she bother with their three spears that were three pointed piercers nor even with their three swords themselves even though they were as is well known three marvellous great griding gashes gless glessic and glycid from one thing to another taliesin took them filling the hall with bewildering glory he was barely touching upon their three dogs kal kual and kafal when there rose up a sound of furious barking outside twice it rose during the story of kal the hound of wulch and twice in the story of kual the hound of kufulch and twice in the story of kafal the hound of sefulch and once at the end each time it waned slowly into a long whining wail and died away at last it broke in upon his peace as he was telling the story causing him to forget what would follow when all that was known concerning those three hounds should have been related what barking was that said he if there was barking it would have been the voices of the dogs of the sons of kled of kufulch said the courtiers karl and kual and kafal it would have been that we heard by reason of the magic of the story-telling i heard barking but it was not from those three dogs said taliesin it would have been pool penannon against the seven watch-dogs said rhiannon every one of them will have been slain before now and pool it was and the war he waged with them was equal to three years of his life passing for each one of them and he three times seven years older at the end than at the beginning of it no one but rhiannon had heard the fierceness of the barking and the leaping of the dogs through the air and the impact of their bodies on the shield of pool penannon and the sweep of his sword as he slew them not so princess said gwaul it will have been no more than the story-telling it would be easy for a bard of such dignity to cause this lord radiant forehead said he go you forward with the story if it shall please the princess to be heeding you greatly will it please me said rhiannon with that taliesin went forward he filled the hall with the warfare of those three men when they went out against Sidi amongst the stars and had the three thousand defenders of Sidi against them and fought from the dawn until the noon and by noon had made three piles of the slain and in each of the piles no less than a thousand men 
by reason of the noise of that warfare no one but rhiannon heard clearly the raising seven times of a single war-shout from the battlements and seven times the roaring of the war-shout of a whole host opposing it and the roaring dying away and losing itself in the end in the single war-shout that was raised at first but when silence came on that shout the seventh time it broke in on taliesin's peace again what shouting was that from the battlements said he we heard nothing except what was in the story said the courtiers it was pool pen annan against the giants said rhiannon giving them such warning as was their due in courtesy according to the custom of the gods and the cymry the dragon washout of the island of the mighty he was raising not so truly said gwawl it would have been no more than the magic of the story go you forward with the telling of it said he if it please you and if it please the princess lord radiant's forehead said she it pleases me and more than pleases me with that he went forward again and made account of the armories of Caer Ochran, and the assailments of them by the sons of Cled of Cuffulch, and the breaking down of the lofty towers, and the toppling of the stones from the heights, the sinking of the jewelled pennons. There came a grand clamour from the battlements, a hollow clashing and ringing, and the smiting of bronze and iron on the flagstones, as if vessels of iron were falling in a furious storm and turbulence from heaven, but by reason of the glamour of the story-telling no one but rhiannon heard it clearly and not until it was dying away did it break upon taliesin's peace and shake the power of the story in his mind evil fall upon me he said if there was no sound of fighting noise of fighting there was by reason of the magic of the story said they marvellous truly is the power of the chief bard of the island of the mighty then rhiannon made it known to them again it was pool penannon on the battlements said she sweeping the swords and shields and helmets from the giants he was and making seven piles of each of them upon the flagstones marvellous is the triumphing power of this sovereign ruler of the demesians and pool penannon it was each pile that he made was the equal of a year from his life so that he was three times seven years older at the end than at the beginning of it but no one would believe rhiannon because of the story and their intense desire to hear what was yet untold of it and gwawl believed her less than any of them taliesin went forward then and finished the story and there came sound upon sound through it as if rocks were being hurled from the peak of kader idris and were dashing from crag to crag and thundering and booming along the slopes and crashing into the lake in the valley below and driving the waters of it afar over the mountains but no one heard more than a faint rumour of it except rhiannon then at last the story came to its end and in its very finishing there rose a sound as if Keder idris himself had fallen the whole mountain of him into the lake and by reason of the story being at its end they heard that it will be pool penannon and he flinging the chieftains of the giants over the battlements into the moat said rhiannon lord gwawl said she it is unlikely that i shall go hence with you it will be no more than the tempest and the blowing down of trees said gwawl lord radiant forehead said he it would be the delight of my life and the consolation of my soul were you to make known to us another of the stories of the island of the mighty 
but before the Pembarth could get the first word of it between his teeth, they heard a low knocking at the door. When it was opened, they beheld an old, white, bearded beggar-man, and he, in a ragged cloak, and his bent back double, and his face lined with old age, with care and sickness. "'I've been through the fierce storm,' said he. "'I have journeyed without ceasing for a year and a day. "'Without doubt it would be better to let me in,' said Taliesin. "'If he comes in, let him make clear the reason for the noises.' "'Was there barking of the dogs at the gates?' said the porter. "'I marvel that you should have had such protection that you came past them unharmed.' "'There will be few in these worlds that do not know there was barking. "'I came past when it was ended, and the dogs did not harm me. "'It would be unfitting for me to relate you the reason for the barking.' "'Is there news with you concerning the raising up of war-shouts?' said the porter. "'Was there shouting to be heard?' as for shouting i marvel if there will be any one in the island of the mighty now and sleep visiting his eyelids on account of it the deaf would have been aware of it from the island of ireland to greece in the east what protection had you against the giants said the porter of their own will they would not have allowed any one to pass i came by when the shouting was ended and they did me no injury it would be unfitting for me to tell you more with the end of the storytelling, sorrow and anxiety and longing for his own land came upon Guaul, and they oppressed him much more when he heard the beggar speaking. Impatiently, always and with sighs, he would listen to the voice of a mortal, for although of the race of the Cymri no one could call Taliesin mortal, with the life of him extending throughout the ages and his being able to come and go between the worlds as he might please. Let him come in said Guaul, so that there may be an end of this wrangling. Let him have whatsoever he will, except the hand of Rhiannon, my bride, or freedom to enter my own land. I grant him his request. It is a small thing that is requested, said the beggar-man, the fill of this basket, of the food from the feast. Fill it to the brim for him, and let him be silent, said Guaul. Let no complaint of niggardliness come from him. With that, Taliesin began another story, and one of the serving-men took the basket and put what food from the first table might not be required into it. Food for ten strong, hungry men he put in it, but at the end it was no more than half full. Then he took it to the beggar. "'It is not full,' said he. "'The word of the chieftain was that it should be filled to the brim.' Like a keen, bitter wind of mid-January, the words of the beggar, the voice of a mortal, swept across the mind of Guaul, and he, endeavouring at the time to lose his thoughts and longings in the tale Taliesin was telling. "'What trouble is on him?' he said. "'Food for ten strong hungry men have I put in the basket, and the first table is cleared,' said the serving-man. "'It seemed to me that he would be contented with that.' "'Woe is me!' said the beggar. "'It would be the sorrow of my life if the promise should be unfulfilled and the basket less than full.' "'Fill it and let him go,' said Guaul. "'Oh, that there might be peace in the court!' They cleared the second table without appeasing the hunger of the basket. They cleared the third and fourth, the fifth and sixth, the seventh and the eighth, the ninth and the tenth, the eleventh and the twelfth and the thirteenth. 
they left nothing but what was needed by the princes for the satisfying of hunger when they brought the basket to the beggar indeed half full it was and no more than that were it not for the beauty of the story-telling i would make an outcry concerning this undoubtedly the word of the chieftain was that it should be filled bitterly the mortal voice broke in on guaul's peace again driving away the whole delight of the story what trouble is on him said he sighing for the sake of heaven grant him his request we have cleared the thirteen tables of whatever food is unneeded said they it appeared to us that he might well be contented fill the basket fill the basket and let him go said guaul the sorrow of the world oppressing him then they went and gathered all the food in the hall gladly the princes gave up whatever might be before them and no thought taken for hunger or the desires of the appetite at the end the basket was no nearer to fullness than before the word of the chieftain is unkept said the beggar hungry i came in here hungry i shall go away the sorrow of my life is this more keenly laden even than before with the unbearable misery of the world his speech went drifting and wandering like the sea-mist through the musings of guaul and taliesim himself without the arts that could make them endurable to him woe is me that he should remain here until we are withered with the infection of mortality and until we look with loathing on our own forms fill you the basket and let him go there is no more food in the palace said they and yet the basket is no more than half full then guaul betook himself to considering in what way he might be released from his sorrow soul soul said he will nothing requite you for the loss of the food nothing will requite me for it said he neither sovereignty nor riches nor extravagant praise from yonder bard the basket will have peculiarities said rhiannon it would be unwise to let him go without learning what news there may be concerning them it would have been full but for peculiarities what peculiarities with the basket said guaul is the manner of filling it known it is known said the other its peculiarity is that if its mind is set against being filled there will be no filling it unless there be treading down the stuff that has been put in it then guaul said to the chief serving-man tread you it down if it please you ah for the sake of heaven not so truly said the beggar it would be the peril of his life were he to do that wherefore would it be the peril are there no peculiarities with the basket is no consideration to be paid it is it no better than the pannier of an old cockle-woman from the shores of penclaudingur so reckless you are o oh, man of sorrowful conversation make known to us the whole of it heed you this then said he whoever makes trial of filling this basket by treading it down unless he be the rightful chieftain and unless the place that he holds is his by right and according to desert and no usurpation nor defraudment and unless the time be the right time and the best of time for him he will never attain filling the basket and not only will he never attain filling it 
but it will be a marvel if he himself shall escape without meeting hurt and harm and misfortune and injury and disaster it is i that must tread it down said gwaoul clearly i foresee that it is i that must do it thereupon he rose up and as he rose rhiannon said to him lord gwaoul is there any breaking the fate that was put upon me at the wedding feast when pool penannon lost me is there any permitting me to go hence in peace to the island of the mighty of my own will there is no permitting you unless compulsion is put upon me and that's before the ending of this feast and by the chieftain that was here formerly it never will be broken broken it will be and compulsion will be put upon you and i shall go forth with pool penannon to-morrow they rose up from the tables as he went down from the dais out of respect and courtesy he went down towards the beggar and towards the hearth in the centre of the hall the men of the court ranged themselves against the wall at his left the men of the family of clud ranged themselves against the wall on his right lord gwaoul said the beggar is it of your own will that you tread down the food in the basket it is of my own will out of desire that you may have what you need and go unbearable to me is the presence of a mortal tread you it down then said the other and may better befall you with that he put the basket on the floor bulging over with its half fullness gwaoul set his left foot on the food and trod it down but the basket was no fuller with both feet must the treading be said the beggar or it will never get its filling thereupon gwaoul set the right foot beside the left on the food and still the basket was no more than half full indeed and indeed now evil upon the least and the best of us if it was any fuller than that half full it was after the treading half full and no more but if the fate of pendarren duvard and the fate of keredig calcum taifi be remembered the fate of gwaoulab clud will be known whatever may have been the stature of him before inside that little bag-shaped basket he was now by reason of the magic and power of illusion and fantasy and strange peculiarities and devouring nature of it and it knowing that not he but pool pen annan was the rightful chieftain at that wedding feast and the rightful husband of the daughter of hephaith it was closed upon him and lifted with him and thrown over the shoulder of the beggar as for that one he was on his feet and the war-horn at his lips and for all his age and weakness it was the grand high atten of the men of dufford the gathering call of the demetians in the island of the mighty that he blazed and sounded and regally drove out echoing through the horn before the immortals the children of the family of clud or the people of hen had flung their surprise from them there was pool pen annan in his dignity before them they perceived that the beggar was no other than pool old he seemed indeed as if fifty years and not one year had passed since he went forth on his wanderings yet they saw that there was peril for them in his majesty of mien and in the light in his eyes and in the drawn sword in his hand if they had sought to overcome him before they might have reached him the demetians with their war-worn terrible swords were in the hall lord gwaoul 
said Rhiannon. The compulsion has been put upon you. Poor Penannon did it. Yes, said he, and therefore the fate is broken. Let there be peace in the hall, and let the chieftain take his rightful place at the wedding feast. Pool set down the basket and opened it, and Gwaul ab Clud came forth. Lord Gwaul, said Pool, what gifts will requite you for this discourtesy? By my will, your dignity shall not be lessened. Nothing will requite me but journeying with you into the island of the mighty, and dwelling there from this out. I shall have no delight in timeless beauty and peace hereafter, but in serving and doing deeds, devising plans for the benefit of the race and kindred of the Cymri. It shall be granted to you gladly, said they. It will be an honour to us. And beyond that, I desire your taking back the gift of your youth and vigour from me that you lost while you were conquering the watchdogs, and while you were sweeping the armour from the giants and are making piles of it on the battlements, and while you were raising the war-shout of the island of the mighty, and while you were driving the giants over the battlements so that they fell into the moat. It is a marvel to me, and a cause for delight and admiration, that any one should have accomplished this. With that, Poole was restored to his youth. Even younger and stronger Gwaul made him than he had been before. Then the feast went forward until its ending, in peace and in merriment and in splendid song, and in listening to the stories of Taliesin Bembarth until the dawn of the morning. Ten times more and better was the food that was taken out of the basket of Gwaithvid Nuinog than that which had been put into it. The men of the family of Clud wondered at the strength and heroic bearing of the men of the Island of the Mighty, and the men of the Island of the Mighty wondered at the grace and beauty and dignity and excellence of conversation of the family of Clud. And as for the gods, the people of Hevaith Hen, they had equal delight in those that were from above them, and those that were from below. The next day they departed, the family of Clud for their own land, and the Demetians under Puil and Rhiannon, and Gwaulab Clud with them for the island of the mighty. After three days they came to Duvard and to Arberth, and it seemed to Gwaul that he had never seen a fairer region, nor a better city. With their coming there, the first branch of the story of Puil and Rhiannon has its end. As for Taliesin, the chief of bards, it is not known whither he may have journeyed at that time. End of part nine.